The fly was still there. The buzzing in his head was softer. But now he was conscious of something else. There was a burning on the back of his neck as if he were lying face down in the hot sun. Hot sun, yes. He was sure the sun was very hot. He was even sweating. Best to move to a shady spot, like under a tree. Why didn't he move to a shady spot? The fly moved closer, boldly, not afraid. Another moment, and it lifted into flight and landed on King David's face, his right cheek just under his eye. He could feel the fly's sticky feet, feel its thirsty seeking for food, for blood. Slowly, slowly the crawling feet of the fly stirred something way down deep in him. He felt muscles awaken as if from sleep, bones clack together. The hand before his face moved, and then he felt pain and the pain made him catch a deep breath and cry out. But the air he sucked in saved him, for it gave him strength to raise his head, get an arm under himself, pull himself up, look around. Directly ahead lay a wagon turned over on its side, and from beneath it protruded a man's leg. There was a man, then, under the wagon. Dizzily, he turned his head to the right. There was a smashed keg which had held water, now soaked into the ground, and beside it another from which flour had spilled. Beyond that lay a horse, dead by the looks of him, and another man. There was an arrow sticking out of the man's back. King David stared at the arrow and wondered if he too had an arrow in his back. Something hurt very bad, but he could not tell what it was. He turned and looked to the left. There were more kegs, boxes, some tools scattered here and there, and among them lay more people. All of them, men and women, one boy, lay in various positions as if somebody had raised them to a great height and dropped them, and they broke and died as they fell. Slowly King David bent his knees and pulled his feet around to where he could see them. His gray hickory shirt was smeared with dirt and blood, more on the new black woolen breeches his ma had made for his twelfth birthday last week and still more on his left arm where his head had lain. He raised a hand to his chest, his face, his head. Yes, there, high on his forehead, was a ragged tear in the skin, and there seemed to be a loose flap of skin with hair on it hanging loose. He could tell there were thick, sticky clots of blood matted in his sandy hair and streaked down his sunburned, bony face tried to scalp me, he said aloud to the silence around him, but didn't quite. He could see that several wagons were scattered around. Some of them had been burned, but the fires were out now. 
with only a heavy, stinking smell of smoke that was drifting slowly away on the faint breeze. He now felt very thirsty, but it looked as if all the water kegs had been smashed, as well as sacks of flour and beans torn open and spilled on the ground. Slowly, carefully, he tried to stand up, but on the first attempt his head banged and roared, and he had to stop. Then he crawled on hands and knees over to the nearest wagon, grasped the wheel in bloody hands, and pulled himself up. Got to look around. He felt fairly safe, oddly enough. He could see that the Sioux raiding party had gone. In the deathly silence, the early afternoon sun beat down on the prairie, and the wind washed idly over sightless faces turned up, over bloody clothing, quilts and household gear trampled into the earth. 